What's up, Warriors? I'm Kaylee. And I'm Betsy. And this is the Not Your Mama Pod. Hey there, it's Kaylee. Before we jump into today's episode about Endo Awareness Month, I want to give you a brief trigger warning. While we discuss our journeys to diagnosis, infertility, and miscarriage are referenced. If either of those are triggering to you, please feel free to skip this episode. If you're struggling with your mental health, please find a professional for help. You deserve it, and we love you. Hi, B. Hey, girl. What's happening? You know, just living the dream. How about you? Obviously. Same. (laughs) Same. Always. No other issues ever. Nope. Nothing. Nothing happening here. (laughs) Well, today is our episode in Endometriosis Awareness Month, so we will be talking a ton about endo. But before we jump into that, tell me how you're feeling. Tell me how the beans are going. I'm feeling good this week. Yeah. Which is very different than I felt last week. And tell them what you think you might have discovered about your mood swings. So I think that I have some like cyclical depression or like a pre-ovulatory PMDD. Yeah. So um, I've been going into like some pretty bad depressive spells about 10 days before um, my ovulation, which is very hard to determine if you (laughs) don't have a period. Yeah. Um, however, I figured it out this time because um, I had really sore boobs, which that was always like a major sign for me, like almost immediately after ovulation. So are you still with- having some like endo-ish flare up feelings? During- I have not. I have not had one flare up since I started the bean protocol. Okay. Not at cool. all. So I've had no pain, no cramps, no, uh, no bloating, no discomfort. Like I've been completely fine on that end okay Um, okay so it's been like just mental my mental health has just been in the dumpster honestly welcome to the club right (laughs) so I'm working with my acupuncture girl lady acupuncturist (laughs) um and she's super knowledgeable on like estrogen dominance and like um all of the she treats a lot of people with endo and just mm-hmm. has a she's a wealth of information so she kind of gave me a plan and um I'm going to start taking some Chinese herbals <laughs> of some sort so uh she ordered, I love the way we approach our health it's like I know we both try but we also like left foot right foot <laughs> I honestly and I am you know that I'm the first to try to fix everything myself and this time I was like, I don't know. I was like, do I need to go on antidepressants? Do I need to start yeah. therapy? Like what, what needs to happen? And I'm sure both of those probably are also true, but. <laughs> well, I'm really um, proud of you. Cause I feel like your monthly dips started. I mean, it was started before your vacation. It's, it's been yeah, a couple, it has. six, seven months, maybe. I would say it definitely September, maybe Yeah, like they definitely started like pretty drastically dipping. And I don't think I realized how bad it was. I mean, um, Jim said the other day, he's like, I feel like it's been like more often lately. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I think you're right because I think it's happening on a monthly basis. And if I only am having like 15 days days where I'm not extremely depressed, I mean, that's. Tell your girl about it. 
an issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also had like a lot of life changes, a lot of holidays, a lot of things going on in the early yeah. parts where it was easy to blame something else. But when your feelings don't go away or they're on clockwork, it's usually a big indicator that like something shifts. Yeah. And for us, our hormones play a huge role in how we feel mentally and it, you know, sure. we, we shift constantly. So I'm really yeah. proud of you for like trying to figure it out. I'm so happy to see you smile. I missed it. You deserve <laughs> that more often. <laughs> How are you? I definitely had some bad PMDD once again this month, um, but I handled it really successfully in my opinion. Like it sucks, but now I kind of go into PMDD with this like mindset that at least I understand what's going on and right. I can feel like I can shut things out with zero guilt. Where in yeah. the old me would have been like, no, I still have to be a hundred percent who I was. Um, and yeah. I focus inward and I always come out of them a little bit more proactive now. So yeah. I have started taking a lot of journaling. And if I'm journaling about the same things every three weeks, well, those are things that I need to address and not just ignore until it gets too bad. So For I survived sure. that. I had a period that sucked, but no more than it always sucks. And then Actually, I was driving home from the gym last night and I had a really random thought. So stick with me for just a second. I would watch shows or read books and I'd be like, man, these adults, like, yes, they have their family. Yes, they work. But like, they also like just enjoy life. And I don't feel like I've ever really understood that. Like, there's always a job to show up to that took too much of my life or illnesses or whatever. And I was driving home from the gym last night and I was like, man, I cannot wait for this summer because I'm going to be so free and so happy and I can't wait just have my windows down. And it's like, yeah, I'm still gonna Like, I still have a job, but like, that's just a thing I do. And then I go be me. Like, right. I feel like there's a path for happiness and that hope is new. So I think we're growing and we're healing, maybe. I think what's important for me specifically is having a job I go to, I work my day and then I go home and I'm done like not jobs that carry over into your yeah personal life also. I think that's a personal decision though so yes I was on call for 24 65 in my first career but I chose to be that individual I do work a little bit every weekend I do get called once in a blue moon I have zero guilt going on do not disturb when I'm off yeah. work I have zero issues with leaving when my day is over um I take my lunch break every single day. I didn't know what lunch was for many years because to me, it's like, what value do I have if I don't enjoy who I am? I work to enjoy life. So yeah, you're right. I couldn't live for my career anymore, but at one point that was like a huge part of my identity. Right. If that was like your, your life, your thing. Yeah. And now I'm just like, man, uh, I do have an excision update though. I posted on this a little bit today. I saw that sucks. (laughs) So speaking of lunch breaks, I came home, I like got my mail and there's a, a medical bill and you know, it's a medical bill. And I was like, yeah, all right. But I didn't know immediately, like there was no emotional reaction. I used to have severe anxiety. I hate owing people. And I have a lot of anxiety around money even in a good way I could be getting money and I still have anxiety and so can I ask you something like and we can cut this out if you want to did you grow up did you grow up poor no okay because I we grew up with like no money and I think that's why I have a lot of money anxiety yeah 
No, I mean, I'm, there's times, obviously, like, especially when I was young, when my parents were, because my dad built himself and built his own money. And there's definitely times where it's tight, but was it ever noticeable to me? No, I have that privilege in the fact that I was always secure and I never felt like I went without. What I think it stems from is we never discussed money. Money oh, was we didn't not conversational. There was no yeah. like, this is how you do things, but there was a high expectation that you earned and made a yeah. life for yourself. On top of that, um, my parents split and there was some chaos between that when I was in high school. And there was a lot of mixed messagings from each parent where during that process or leading up to that process where there was a lot of expectations put on me at 15 to buy my own school clothes and do things like that. When you were getting into the terms of earning money, now that was manipulation and different things going on from a parenthood standpoint and not for me, but maybe that has something to do with it. Cause I, I do, I do remember the first time in high school, I remember having a panic attack about money. Now granted, I got a job before I could drive. So I had to have my parents drop me off at work so I could work starting my freshman year of high school. I've worked since I was 14 or 15. My senior year, senior year, my dad and I were at the mall with my brother and he bought me a sweatshirt. And when we went up to the cash register, I was like hanging back so I could buy my sweatshirt. He's like, I'll, I'll buy it for you. And I was like, no. And I had a complete panic attack. Well, it turns out my dad didn't know he hadn't been buying my clothes for many, many years. Oh, and, like I thought that was my responsibility. So I didn't know how to handle him trying to purchase it. And it was a big emotional thing where like he obviously felt bad because he thought he'd been purchasing it. I explained that like clothes, going out, movies, everything I'd done since 15, I had paid for myself. Right. And so there's probably just some like mixed messaging and things like that, but I hate it. Probably things you need to work through in therapy. You know, we work on those things. Yes, I do. <laughs> says, says the lady that won't go to therapy. I love you. Listen, so. listen, this was the closest I've gotten. <laughs> I'll be your therapist. My one friend does online therapy. Yeah. And I was like, maybe that's how I should do it. Because I feel like that gives me access to a broader range yeah. of people. It's way more important who you work with than how yeah. you work with them, I've learned. And honestly, I didn't start going to therapy until I was like, okay, well, my self-healing has no more skill sets. Like yeah. if I well, could still micromanage it enough to get to the next day, I would have never went back. I'm not even going to lie to you. I think part of mine too, is I was like driving the other day and I will not let myself cry like ever, like will not. And I was like, is there something wrong with me if I cannot cry? And I'm sure that there is, but I'm like, Definitely I feel like no, but if you're suppressing your emotions, oh, I am. I'm sure I've been suppressing my emotions for a very long time. <laughs> so that's probably why I cannot cry. Like when I'm actually upset, I don't know. Ugh. So those are things that we'll figure it out at some point. Right now, I just need to get to a baseline. <laughs> there was like a little part of me that was like, I feel so good that you cry when you leave me. <laughs> like right. my, my like my selfishness. I was like, and. Like realistically, I cry occasionally when I'm tired. Like if I'm yeah. like, haven't slept in many, many days. And when I left Myrtle Beach, those are the times I can remember crying. And that is, there's probably something wrong <sighs> with me. So I, I used to be like you, like I yeah. literally never cried. And I have a lot of traumatic events in my life where I, I can remember when I stopped crying. Um, but now Kaylee cried yesterday. Like, yeah, <laughs> I just have emotions and now I'd rather fill them and express them and get yeah. them out. 
I am a huge component for therapy and working on yourself. Um, but I also know everybody's journey is different and however works for you and goodness gracious, the costs of everything. I'm also afraid if I, if I start, then I'm going to be one of those people who cry. (laughs) Yeah, you will be. I am now. It it just happens. (laughs) And I'm also not really interested in that. (laughs) I promise it's not as bad as it sounds though, because I also (laughs) smile a lot more. Like there's no way that that's fair. You do. Uh, back to the bill though. So I, I didn't have oh, anxiety. Yeah. So I was like, oh, grow. But yeah, I opened up another bill, which I kind of thought excision was paid off, you know, seven months, nothing in my insurance claims. I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah. Um, and I got you were a, like diligent about checking it. Too. Diligent about checking it. I had the ones for my doctors. I had the, well, I paid everything out of pocket for my doctors. I had the surgery center. Like I was like, okay, this, this must be all. Yeah. Um, and you know, everything's astronomical and whatever. So I opened up a bill today and it's like two grand for anesthesia. And I was like, well, that's interesting. (laughs) How can they send it seven months later? Yeah, let's get, let's get, let's get to the nitty gritty because also I called my insurance because I was like, at this point, it is what it is. It's worth me living. Right. The emotional tie I have to giving my money away from my health has been kind of beat into the ground this last year. Also, there's there's nothing you can do about it. Like yeah, it's, it's a bill. bill. So it's I was like, okay, fine. But then I like started looking at it. And I was like, insurance didn't pick up any anesthesia. Like that is odd to me. I know yeah. I have coverage for that. So I called my insurance company on my way back from lunch and they're like, yeah, we have no claims for this. And so then I called the anesthesia company and they're like, like literally I go, Hey, um, I have a bill and I just need to check that it went to my insurance. My insurance says they have no claim. And she goes, huh can you get insurance information I might see an issue like literally 10 seconds into the call they didn't even bill it to my insurance Which seven is crazy. months that they've just been sitting on on top of that it says my insurance provider is my primary self-pay is my secondary and they just sent it to like the wrong address or the wrong unit or something but I was like yeah <laughs> okay so I guess we're gonna rebuild that and see seven months how much I actually owe (laughs) yeah hopefully it's not two thousand dollars yeah I mean it can't get worse right I already accepted the price but right it is it really is what it is but still I mean it'd be nice to not owe that money I'm sure it'd also be nice to know like I'm done like that brought my engagement and to my personal health to almost like 20 grand in 2022 at this point maybe we should just get to 2200 so that way I could just be like 2022 and like never forget how much I invested (laughs) the year for it that being said uh before we start jumping into endometriosis and all the stuff going on let's do two things let's preface with we love you all we will have content coming out all March but we ain't diving in the same capacity we did last year sorry we do not not have the mental capacity for it no. I'm sorry we just don't we don't and number two because it'll be said later and we're not going to go into the nitty-gritty of endo and symptoms and all the stuff we just kind of want to give an update if you need those go back to our old podcast we talked about definitions we talked about symptoms we talked about surgeries we talked about all that stuff um but before we jump in I do want to say excision surgery is the gold standard it is not yeah. affordable it's not accessible and we are really being let down by the medical system still. So facts. We're not going to say that. But do you want to start out with giving people um, the most up-to-dated definition of endometriosis? Because, you know, Google still has it wrong. Yes. So the definition is 
Endometriosis is a systemic inflammatory disease characterized by the presence of endometrial-like tissue found in extra uterine sites. Yeah. So shout out not to- within your uterus. Yes. Is important. It is. And big shout out to uh, in 16 years, Amy, she actually was our last guest. I use her stuff. I think I said that in the podcast. I use her stuff for all the definitions and things like that, because I know it's somebody who truly cares to make sure they're doing the research and putting it out there. Um, Endometriosis and adenomyosis are two separate things. I think that still gets very, very, very confused. And we will talk about adeno more in April because there is a timeframe for April to recognize it. But uh, let's start with the negative so we can get to the positive about our experiences. But what is something that you feel like you still have a badge of honor for or feel like the need to shout out that people still don't understand? The thing that I will always, always, always say is that there is no cure. There are people still saying that they can cure your endometriosis, that they can heal you, whatever. There is no cure for endometriosis. A hysterectomy is not a cure. I am a living example of that. I still have endometriosis and I have no uterus. I agree. Um, I think that's what I actually explained to somebody today. Like, yeah, I feel better from excision, but I don't feel good yet. I still have a lot of work to do. It's chronic. There is no cure. I still have a lot of people in my like close like family that doesn't understand why I don't just feel better like a hundred percent because they're like you had your you know you had your uterus removed you had well that doesn't mean it's gone yeah are you fixed yet so that's hard for me um if I were to recap and I think we're just gonna kind of talk about what endo means to us and how our lives have impacted I feel like the last year has been extremely extremely impactful for me not only with the investment into my health but my knowledge around how I'm going to live going forward with a chronic illness. Um, I, I still know there's no cure. I still know that I am in pain because of it. I still have a lot of resentment towards the medical community because I fully understand that my infertility could have been handled in a different way. If endo had been handled differently, I do know people let me down. I do know surgeries have been botched because of lack of knowledge, all these things, I mean, today I had a tyrant because I pay insurance. I used to work at a company that had its own insurance and I still can't seem to make the cut to get help. So there's a lot of feelings of like, you're doing us wrong. But for now, it's more of a, I know I can make my life better. I know that I can't cure endo. I know I can't get rid of it, but I know, and I have walked out lifestyle changes that make my quality of life better. Right, for sure. So I feel a lot more like, okay with this sentence it doesn't feel like a death sentence I think um I even had this conversation with my husband just like a few days ago like what what the difference in my life could have been like if I would have been diagnosed like when I first started complaining about my period at you know eight well younger than 18 but when I started going to the doctor at 18 so you know like how could my life have been different I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'll never know. Thankfully, yeah. not thankfully, but you know, Which is good. it's acceptance. Yeah. And, um, but I'm really grateful for the things that I've learned along the way. Yeah. Because right now I'm managing my symptoms and I'm managing the inflammation in my body and I'm just trying to get a better quality of life for sure. And had I not had like that, Hey, 
this is what's actually like that real diagnosis like this is what is in your body and understanding that it's something that I will live with forever um I don't know that I would be so proactive in taking care of myself I agree and I think I still struggle with acceptance from the outside world so I still feel like a nuisance like I still feel like oh the fact that I can't eat pizza at dinner with everyone I feel empowered to leave and go get food I can but I also feel like it just it isn't there isn't enough done for me and I still struggle with that but the empowerment and the willing to still even though I have those hesitations still even though I feel like a burden I'm going to invest in my body and eat right and do all the right things because I deserve to feel better and these are the cards I was dealt yeah no I will even say like um we had um, an open opening thing to go to last week. So the, they're always very considerate about like dietary restrictions. And, mm-hmm. um, so there's a, a couple that always goes, that's a vegan, that vegan are vegan. And then obviously I'm gluten-free. So she did order a gluten-free pizza for mm-hmm. me, but it still had cheese on it. So I was like, I will not say a word. So I just like scraped, scraped off my little pile of cheese. And I was like, it's fine. I'll just eat the rest. Yeah. But it is so it, people underestimate how, good it makes you feel when you are thought of like and how how bad it makes you feel when you're not I, I I truly had a meltdown over the weekend because yeah I drove five hours spent time and money to find out right before I got there that the dinner menu was pizza and I was like okay well I can't I contemplated eating it to be honest like I contemplated eating it and then I was like you know what no these people this isn't new they've ate yeah. with me since I've had these restrictions so I'm just gonna not say anything I'm not, I I don't want to be combative. I'm just not going to say anything and I'm going to leave. And so I left to go take care of my dog, ordered fajitas with all my specifications, picked right. them up, ate them. I showed up to breakfast the next day and there's literally one item that I could kind of eat. And I was like, I'm not going to eat. <laughs> and now I, I left and learned. Now I'm going to meal prep. feel like you're not important enough. And then like the pressure, like to get looked at afterwards and be like, hey, are you going to eat? I can't. Yeah, I literally will not feel good if I eat any of this stuff. <laughs> I can't. Okay, yeah. well, what are you going to eat on your way home? That's a solid question that I also can't. Yeah. Um. So now I'm in this point where I'm deficient, where I'm really trying to nourish my body, and I'm gonna have to make up for it. But lesson learned. Yeah. Next time I'm gonna I'm gonna pack food, you know, because I'm in Kansas City. I'm used to being able to go to the store, or go to a place that can find something. Right couldn't nothing was open so uh, I it's empowering but it's also like those people that do look out for you my stepmother who builds menus around my specifications I'm just like thank you I appreciate that uh in case somehow we got a new listener and they decided this was the episode to jump into you know because we're (laughs) end of babes and we're awesome let's do cliff note rundown of our endo journey so symptom diagnosis what your journey's been like like what highlights to you just just so they can relate and then you guys can go listen to both of our specific stories yeah the first couple episodes um I had really bad periods from the time my period started like um terrible cramps vomit all of the time like I was really really physically sick every single month um as I got older obviously my pain became more frequent um, we tried to have a baby for almost seven, 
six years and um, were obviously unsuccessful. And then I was having really bad chronic pain every single day. Um, I was not diagnosed. And then I had to fight really, really hard for a diagnosis and finally got someone to listen to me. And then I had both of my fallopian tubes removed because of damage. Um, one of my ovaries and uh, my uterus, which is not a cure. Let's no. say that again. But I also had an adenomyosis. Which you have to take uterus from. Yes. The that is a cure for that. <laughs> um, so that is the general gist of it. And since your hysterectomy. Yeah. You so I had my hysterectomy. relief. Yes, I had my hysterectomy in 2020, and I think I had about a year and a half of feeling really good, um, and then I slowly was getting just random flare-ups here and there, and my chronic fatigue came back very full force, um, and then since then, my other ovary started failing, mm -hmm. so I went into perimenopause. <laughs> So it's not just like endo, it's like everything that comes along with endo too. Well, it speaks to endo is a full body disease. It is. Not treating it for many years causes other areas that are related or organs touched or anything because our body has been in survival mode. There's, there's systemic impact head to yes. toe. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think that is pretty much the general gist of my story though. Yeah. For me, I had bad periods from the jump, but was put on birth control super young um, when I was super naive. And that's a blessing and a curse. The birth control band-aid uh, made it through college where I could at least suffice. First time I really remember flares, I was driving and I pulled over hysterically crying because the stabbing pain down there, I just could not fathom what was going on. I thought something was like, man, if that would have been in my chest, I would have thought I had a heart attack. For sure breakthrough bleeding my stress yeah. making everything worse like everything was bad not to mention I went through infertility for a very long time I trigger warning did get pregnant had a miscarriage unexplained and after I lost my baby girl I just lost complete control of my body bleeding yeah. for 60 90 days ended up having a laparoscopic ablation in February of 2021 never really felt that much better which led me to ex excision surgery last July of 2022. <sighs> that's uh, a lot of trauma. Between I know. Us. That's why I was like, I'm just going to like really, really cliff notes this. But I was like, how do I just talk about the big thing? Um, I think it's important for me to mention that my surgery. So my first initial surgery was just to get my fallopian tubes out because we yeah. thought those were the issue. Um, and so my regular, my surgery was done by an OB, not an excision specialist. And, um, as a reminder, that's very important too, yeah. but it's not accessible. So there's no shame. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. Like, you know, it's, it's important to note that not everyone can access, uh, an excision specialist and that sucks. Like that yeah. really sucks. Or afford it. And on top or afford of it, it yeah. Just so we are being a little due diligent, I'm sure there's no way we can hit everything on endo and the importance. That's why this month's important. That's why it's important that you follow some accounts. We'll tag some really influential accounts. We will share in the show as notes. much as we can too. 
like honestly we will share as much but we will not we're just not going to do it every single day yeah plus there's better mouthpieces for it we told our stories at this point now it's time for you to know the data but why excision is so important is number one it's the gold standard surgery so it's the only one that takes the endometriosis that's grown in your body out not just burn it away so it comes right back number two they are the only if you find an excision specialist. Now, let me say that really loud. An excision specialist, not an OBGYN, not a reproductive endocrinologist that does excision, an excision specialist with an excision uh, center, they have training on how to classify endo so that they say, if you're a stage one, stage four, they're going by more of a streamlined data point where there's, there's no real qualifications out there. So not only could you get misdiagnosed with endo being missed, you could get yeah. the wrong stage being diagnosed. Um, they also look for endo in a lot more areas of your body where a, a traditional OBGYN yeah. wouldn't, which we all know that's super important because we have friends that are losing bladders out there and things like yeah. that. Yeah, your bladders, you know, your your rectum, your uh, they have thoracic, so it can be on your lungs. It can be every, literally everywhere. Full body disease. The only everywhere place you on can't your body. have it, it is your be. teeth. Yeah. Yet. i say yeah okay so because we want to make sure you guys know that endo doesn't go away it's chronic it won't leave our lives we do want to participate with endometriosis awareness month every single year this year we're going to do it a little bit differently b i have a new game for you i'm so glad this is how the podcast has came (laughs) yeah (laughs) so i randomly asked so many of our followers and our friends two questions i asked them why endo awareness month is important to them and what has endo taught you? I think it's important to note that I never know what Kaylee is doing. <laughs> Full trust. That's the only reason this works. Full trust. <laughs> so, We're extremely great partners here that she just does everything and I just show up. Pause and recognize though, like we did not know each other and we just peanut butter and jelly. We, like, we go together. <laughs> so I asked these questions. on our podcast and on my own ig page like i didn't even respect you being involved i said hey give me your answers and then i wrote them out to be fair i wasn't in a great mind space to be involved so thank you this is true two chronic illness pmdd babes we don't gravitate at the same time sometimes some of us are slow some of us are vibrating so we just do it anyway so i wrote out their responses i put them in a bowl we're only going to read a couple of them we potentially could hit one question, not the other. Yeah. What I'm going to do with these answers though, is throughout March, because we aren't obligating ourselves to say, this is my first symptom every single day. What we are right. going to do is share some of our friends' reasons why they're important okay. or what they've learned. Cause we want to be positive. We want to push out for sure. Good come from this. So I'm going to read one. You're just going to react. They, I mean, some of them might be like, yeah, you're right. But okay. I want to get some of my voices out and we'll, we'll name our friends here. So the first one. There's a bunch of them in that bowl too. Like you yeah. did some work. <laughs> we just have really amazing friends. We do. It's true. Okay. So this one's from Julie. Um, at Julie underscore Biscotti. She says, this is one thing she has learned. The body really does keep the score. My oh. needs and my desires matter more than pleasing others. Facts on facts. I could, Yes there's so much trauma stored in the body. Like I can't even react more than just saying a hundred percent. I know some of these are just like, yes, queen. Yeah, <laughs> I just absolutely. want people to know it. 
Next one is from Liz at South Asian Survivor. Hey, girl. Hey. Queen. Uh, this one's regarding why Endometriosis Awareness Month is important. It says, I found my excision surgeon because of IG Endo Awareness Month. Wow. I had no idea. She probably has had the most in-depth in- excision surgery team of anyone I know. And yeah. I have no idea it came from IG. Yeah, I I remember her talking about it. But it's that's why it's so important for us to talk about it because who knows who you're impacting. Oh, this one's from Nikki, a fellow turtle. Aww. Her IG is at our story unfolding. Uh, she says she's learned how to advocate no matter what it's for and to be gracious with myself because I have a chronic illness. Uh, Endo taught me how to how incredible others are. Endo warrior community is bad. <laughs> Darn, darn tootin'. Darn tootin'. <laughs> so this one is from Jess at Endosista AZ. Um, endometriosis taught me real pain, more about my body than desired, and has caused grief, pain, heartache, and devastation. Oh my goodness. That is 100% true. And we know you're a boss queen spreading information too, Jess, so... I also feel like that's why she's so compassionate and empathetic yes. and caring. Like, I'm sure you were that way in some capacity before this disease, but I do know you, in your times of grief, you help others and that's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I cannot um, say enough how wonderful she is at reaching out and just making sure you're okay. So we love God you. I love friends. all of you guys. Yeah, every one of you uh amy at in 16 years of endo says endo awareness month is important because it's the time of year when endo gets the most visibility by people who don't have it true because like i even would share stuff on my personal instagram that i normally wouldn't have shared yeah uh, ever until last year so next one is from laura at every babe club she said, Endo has taught her how to advocate with doctors and in life in general. Again, For sure. We have That's, had to learn to speak up. Yeah. That, I mean, I had to find my voice too. I mean, it, it was a huge thing. I literally just pulled my favorite one to end with. Okay. Not planned. This was truly organic, but uh, the last one is with my girl, Rita. Her IG is at Radiate with Frida. If you don't listen to her podcast yet, Radiate with Frida is live. Um, Endo has taught her resilience and her true potential in life. Facts. And she is killing it too. Yeah, she is. I advocate for my babes that are doing things and making the world better. And she's one of them. But she is for sure. I, I feel that one really deep down. Like I feel like my potential was not aligned with who I really was before endo yeah well before I knew of endo <laughs> yes she was there <laughs> right yeah she was she was there all along but I do have just changed the way that you look at yourself and other people and all of the things for sure I do have a ton more um all is impactful what I'm gonna do like I said throughout the month I'm gonna post them on our IG page I already teased that a little bit I will tag the beautiful, amazing, strong, resilient, powerful, life-changing endo babe that gave me their thoughts 
if you want to send one in, maybe I didn't ask you because I just randomly asked people in their DMs. If you have one, you want to share DM at Not Your Mama Pod and we'll add it and we'll share it to the um, public as well because I think we all have a story and a lesson to learn. And she didn't ask me either, guys. So don't feel no. bad if you didn't get asked. No, I, I genuinely <laughs> just didn't care what you thought. <laughs> JK. JK. I'm just here to wing it every single week. Uh, so we did this one episode totally off the hinges, totally just freaking spiring, where we talked about stories and Reddits and YouTubes. Yeah. And now this cool thing has happened where our friends are sending me things Ooh. to react to. Okay. So we're going to do the first one of those today, but I also want to open it up. If you guys have a kidless, kid-free, endo thing, chronic illness thing, you come across it online, you want us to talk about it, as in Kaylee reads and Betsy just like, reacts, and then I, <laughs> I say yes, please send them to uh, Journey to Fix My Lady Box, because Betsy does see oh, our I have access. Yeah, I have access to the <laughs> podcast IG, so don't send them there, because I'll read I mean, them. if you do, we'll still talk, but okay. yeah, send them over to me, because or text them to me, because this is gold, so- I got a text that says, OMG. So I'm in Disney tips and tricks group for their trip or her trip coming up in March. And there's a whole thread about a mom getting on the bus and no one offering her her seat because she had children with her. Then someone said the mom should have asked someone for their seat when other people got on the bus before her. Made me think of your pod. Like just because you have a kid at Disney doesn't make you entitled. Okay, I do have questions though. Like <laughs> I have no context, but I can make some I know. Like, okay, I think if the mom and I don't even know why this matters, maybe it doesn't. I think if the mom is pregnant, you should. You should offer your seat because who knows? But I think if you're just like hanging out with your kids, like riding a bus or whatever, yeah. how long are you gonna be on that bus? Like so yeah, I don't I, think she's pregnant by the context I got, and, but yeah. that is an interesting thought. Um, I think I don't think you're entitled. Like, like oh. I don't think you're entitled to it. I think it. If it was me, I might be like, "Hey, do you need to Want sit to down?" Sit? Mostly to get your kids out of the aisle way, like to get or like, <laughs> can you get your child away from me? Here, no, not to get them away from, but you know, like to like maybe like make them not just yeah. like hang out in the aisle. I don't know. That's hard though, but, but I don't think it's right to feel like she's entitled to. So here's my thing. Okay. Do I think that it would be a very kind and respectful For gesture sure. to give a mother a seat? For sure. I'm yeah. the first to give anybody that yeah. could use a seat beyond me a seat. I also don't judge anyone who doesn't give up their seat because I also know how bad my body has been and standing would have been absolute terror to me right. so it's a personal right. decision but you I do yeah you don't know how right? everyone's health who's sitting is really yeah. I look at it in the same capacity as I'm gonna hold the door open for you and if you hold it up from for me I'm gonna say thank you not everybody yeah. has those same manners right right so no which I is don't... annoying and I hate it. oh it makes me so mad <laughs> so mad if you catch me out drinking when I rarely do that anymore and someone doesn't say thank you, you can see all of my happiness just straight. I'm, sure. I'm like, <laughs> so, so like, I need friends like me that's going to be like, that was nice of you. I'm like, yes, it was. And then we keep yes. going. Uh, 
So number one, I just don't think it's an obligation. No. Is it a kind gesture to do for sure? Now, you got to remember this all stemmed from somebody posting because they were mad it didn't happen. Yeah. I think that's that's, that's what I do think is weird because that feels like entitlement to me. It does. Like just because you have kids, like you're more entitled to a seat than anybody else. That doesn't really seem fair. It plays with um, the same mindset that you're more tired because you're taking care of a human. And yeah. I'm not narking that you're tired. Tired. You probably are. That That's exhausting when I'm around children. Yeah. You don't know what everybody else got going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think, I don't like the entitlement. It's, I'm not into it. No, but that being said, I do know B would be the first to give up her seat to anyone. Oh, so. I would. I I absolutely would do. She's my actually best. even that way to me. Like, hey, do you want to sit? You just you just a sweet one. So uh, don't tell anyone. Yeah, I don't want to feel obligated. <laughs> I have so much street cred. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's mean. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it just wraps up to entitlement. I don't like how society puts those with kids above others without a question or any sort of grace or empathy given so that is our reaction to that I just wanted to know real quick if this is professional how I'm like (laughs) honestly my favorite moment has been when your arms are inside your sweatshirt and I'm not sure what you're doing but you no longer have arms in your sleeve I was just undoing my bra (laughs) so knew it that being said, B, tell me something you're looking forward to. Let's talk about some positive. And if you can tie to endo bonus points, but you don't have to. Um, I am looking forward to giving my healing journey over to someone else. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so silly. Though. That's so big of you. It is because I perhaps have some control issues occasionally. No. Once, <laughs> and it's because I know my body and I know what works best for my body and I know how it feels. So I think that's what I'm really looking forward to is that someone else has physically given me a plan and like, I will be very curious to see how I feel and yeah. I'm hoping it's better. What about you? Um, I'm just grateful that I'm going to do things for my soul this year. So for sure hugging my turtles and multiple different like things 90 days or something yeah. or no not even like 60, 60 days 60 something days now also um manny bears coming to see me in like Ooh. a week so hugging my turtles as much as i can i am if you aren't part of my monthly happy hours i don't know what you're doing you're missing out but I am inviting a group of women from those happy hours to come to Kansas City to hang out with no plans, just another turtle-like trip. And I'm excited for it. I um gonna have to control myself. I do the most sometimes, and it's not about that, but I just like the idea of connection with people who understand. And I love the opportunity to be in people's lives that have allowed me to be in them. So between that, between trips, between seeing you. I just, I'm excited. And then at some point, like, I'm going to go somewhere warm. So it's going to be I a good know. year. I'd like that. That'd be nice. That'd, yeah. be-, <laughs> just, that'd be nice. You that'd can tag along. Nice. I'll give you my itinerary. If you guys Let don't me- know, I like B enough that anytime I go anywhere, I also automatically text and be like, you want to go? And you want to go? <laughs> and we are doing that later yeah. in the summer. I, I'm, I'm, I'm joining your trip. I'm so excited. So I'm- uh yeah that's that's what I'm excited about I do have some big things in my family that I think in the past would have been like more monumental my little niece is graduating high school (laughs) Mm, my 
my oldest nephew is graduating high school this is year that too. Weird. It is. It's. I can remember the day he was born, so me it too. really messes with me. And the fact that he he just turned eighteen. Yeah. He's going to turn eighteen. Is insane to me. Yeah, my niece turns eighteen in April. Graduates in May. Um, but to be honest, I am so happy I'm where I am in life where I'm yeah. just excited to see her grow and become her own person. And sure. I'm proud of her and there's no sad feelings. Like I don't feel like I'm missing out anymore. So yeah. it's going to be a beautiful rest of the year. I am thankful for you. Thankful for our friends. Same. What has this been? This has been at actually probably a fairly good episode. Uh, <laughs> the Nacho Mama pod. <laughs> Bye. Bye.